Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 149. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And I just want to say sincerely, thank you so much to everyone who has been enjoying the summer series and more of these solo episodes. It's interesting because I feel like I've actually gotten more feedback (laughs) over these last few weeks of doing more of the solo episodes with the summer series and with hot topics. And it's awesome. So I I have an interview show for you guys today, and I have a few more interview shows that I have recorded and are, are ready to come out, but I have been really enjoying doing the summer series, and I'm thinking that going forward, you know, into fall, I may, I may throw some more solo episodes in. So stay tuned for that. Um, I do have a couple more things to talk about at the end of the episode in regards to hot topics and summer series episodes. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, today's episode, like I said, I have an interview for you guys. This is an awesome episode. My guest is Erica Tenlin and Erica is a listener turn guest, which I always love having people on who, you know, are listeners to the show. I think that that like adds such a a different kind of layer to it. And it was really interesting because when Erica first reached out to me, it was not as an inquiry to be a guest. She was, you know, just kind of looking to to talk and ask me some questions. And I really kind of convinced her to come on and be a guest, which we'll talk about this on the episode. But she had told me that she, as much as she really enjoyed listening to the show, she had not heard a story yet that she could see herself in or that, you know, reminded her of her own story with her son, Finn. So, you know, my goal with this show is always just to share all different journeys, all different backgrounds. And I knew that if she had been listening and she had not heard a story that she could, you know, relate to in her own way, then there's probably somebody else listening who feels similar to the way that she does. And I really convinced her to come on. Um, and it was definitely outside of her comfort zone. Even after we recorded, she was nervous. So I just want to say a huge thank you to Erica for doing this and for, you know, being so brave. I really do love this episode. And I think she did an incredible job at just being very honest and heartfelt, which, you know, any guest that comes on, that's always what I tell them is that, you know, I think what people relate to the most is just that vulnerability and authenticity. And I think that is something that, like I said, even if you don't, you know, relate to the episode completely, there's like pieces that you can relate to and you just can, can feel that connection with somebody who is, you know, just opening their heart. And that is exactly what Erica does on this episode. She definitely has a unique journey with her son, Finn. And I'm curious to see if anyone listening, you know, kind of feels the same way that she does. And yeah, so I'm I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one. I think this was just an awesome conversation. And Erica is 
just a doll. So please enjoy listening to my conversation with Erica. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for being here. You and I were just chatting a little bit before we started and you were like, oh, I recognize your voice, which is so sweet whenever people say that, but it's like so <laughs> fun to hear. <laughs> yeah, this is so weird to actually be talking to the person I listen to all the time. Oh, well, I love that you're a listener of the show and you had reached out just as a listener, not necessarily looking to be a guest. And I kind of convinced you because what you had shared with me, with me is that you enjoy the show, but that you hadn't yet heard a story that reminded you of your own with your son. So when you said that, I was like, okay, well, truly like my goal with the show is always to share a variety of stories and all different viewpoints and perspectives. So I knew, you know, if you were saying that, then there's got to be other people listening that might be in your shoes. And I wanted you to come on to share for those people selfishly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm so, I'm so glad. Um, it's one of my best friends, Sophia, she always says, do something every day that scares you. And this totally scares me to be talking <laughs> you on the phone right now so please <laughs> doing this I think it'll be a little therapeutic to think about all of this actually. absolutely yeah. I think your friend is right although every day something that you maybe is a little bit high anxiety so maybe just like once a week <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably more realistic when you think yes yeah, well, I know a little bit that you shared with me, but I am excited to hear kind of your whole journey. So if you will sort of take us back to the beginning, I would love to hear. Okay. Well, um, I guess it depends how far back we want to go, but. Um, as far back as you want to go and that you feel is uh, appropriate. Okay. I. So I married my high school sweetheart. We live in the place, same place that we grew up the second half of our childhood. Um, and we basically all I wanted to do is be a mom. Like I wanted to be a mom so badly. So we got pregnant right after we got married. I feel like I had a fairly normal pregnancy. I had uh, morning sickness, um, but it was a fairly normal delivery too. There wasn't anything too crazy that happened. Although <laughs> Finn, <laughs> my son, the one that we're talking about this episode, his head was so big when I delivered him, it broke my tailbone. <gasps> he, came, I know he came out of me and there was a big pop and I thought he was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But looking back, he looked so funny. His head is very big. <laughs> <laughs> Others love. <laughs> Yeah. But for like the first year of raising him, I was in like this high of life of motherhood of just my angel, my Finn, like, oh my gosh. I think I took pictures of him every single day. <laughs> um, but when I look back, I realized that some things were a little off. And I was working as a NICU nurse at the time. So my perception of sick babies or developmentally delayed babies were premature babies. Mm. And I was totally comfortable with Finn's development. Everything was fine. I mean, we ended up getting pregnant with our second child, Violet, when he was eight months old. So we weren't worried about anything. But 
he did have a very inconsistent suck. Like the pattern of his suck was funny. Um, and he did cover his ears a lot. So I remember being at the pediatrician and just mentioning to them, oh yeah, he covers his ears, but that's just his comfort item. Like that's some kids hold on to stuffed animals. He holds on to his ears. Like it's fine. And they agreed. They checked his ears for ear infections and never brought it up again. Now I wish someone would have been like, you know, a lot of kids on the spectrum have hearing ear sensitivity, but one of my best friends, her husband is a teacher and he saw a picture of my son covering his ears. And he mentioned quietly to her, like, Hey, you know, a lot of kids on the spectrum do that. Hmm. It's so funny looking back, knowing that, but anyways, he, um, everything was pretty typical. We, at his 15 month appointment, I remember telling the pediatrician, you know, he had a few words a few months ago, but I think he's kind of lost them. But then I didn't want to be dramatic about it because I wasn't really sure and I didn't know what to expect. And she wasn't telling, giving me any red flags. Like she said, oh, everything looks good. Everything, everything seems fine. So she said, let's just wait till 18 months. And then at 18 months, things were not better. Like there weren't many more words. So we started getting the process of speech started around 18 months. We officially started um, the speech program at 20 months, which was pretty young. Like most of the kids in his class were older. Um, and we took that really seriously. Like I had my daughter at the time and I remember bringing her to the speech classes and she was on in the little carrier and we would do anything to get a noise out of this kid, <laughs> like bribing him with food. I remember being at my parents' house and just doing, I just wanted to like reach inside his head and grab out the words and make the noises. And, and I remember thinking, why is this so hard to make him communicate with me? I just thought like, maybe I'm a really bad mom. Like maybe this is really, really hard. This is really unnatural. Um, and then I had this six month old baby at the time who's like so naturally engaging with others and babbling. And I, my family and the speech pathologist and every professional we saw comforted us by saying, oh, he's a boy. He's just running around and punching things. It's fine. Look at, she's a girl. She's social. That's fine. Um, and so we graduated from the speech program on time. Well, whatever on time means. I mean, just a year after, right before he turned three, they, mm -hmm. you've outgrown this. He's, he's fine at this point. And so I thought, okay, that was just the one hiccup we're going to deal with and everything will be fine. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I'm just looking at the notes on my phone. You're fine. So we put him in a preschool and I was going back to work. I've kind of gone back to work multiple times and then decided to stay home. And then it's now I'm officially a stay at home mom. But at that time I was working in Detroit as a nurse and we put him in a new preschool. 
and I toured it. I met the owner. I was so excited. We had a huge photo shoot that morning with Finn with his backpack on and my parents were there and Finn's going to preschool. This is so exciting. Um, and we dropped him off in the morning and then I was driving to work in the afternoon because I worked afternoons and I called to check up and see what was, how his day was going. And the lady said, it is not going good. He's been in my office with me the whole time. He keeps pushing and hurting kids. He is all over the place. I've never seen a child like your child. And I just like, my heart sunk. <laughs> mm -hmm. Turned around. I didn't go to work that day. I picked him up. I like was so upset. And I looked at her and she's like, you should really talk to your pediatrician. I've never seen a child like this. And I thought, what are you, my sweet baby? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really insulted, but, and then she apologized and said, you know what? I'm sorry. I know child does things on purpose. It's just whatever he's working through, but I was really upset by that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so at that time we were members of the YMCA and that was kind of like our saving grace. We would put Finn in the childcare and when he didn't get kicked out, it was like a huge success. <laughs> <laughs> and for a while I would take him there and I would ask the people if I could go in with him and just try to help him socialize with kids and not push them because it was this weird magnet where he would kids would come into his bubble and he would just like straighten his arms out and want them away from him and it was a reflex and we didn't know why and so we did a lot of work just by with the daycare at the Y, really. And then eventually we put him into a Montessori school, um, which he was at for a few years until he went to kindergarten. And um, at that time, he had turned three, and I took him in for the three-year well visit. And... Our pediatrician was a newer pediatrician because we switched to one that was closer to our house. And when she came in the room, I had to like bear hug Finn, basically sit on him to give him the deep pressure to get him to stay still. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that that was just fine. Like maybe this is what little boys have to do. And um, she goes, you know what? I think we got some sensory issues going on here. And I was like, you know, I was thinking something like that you'd mentioned something like that. So we started some OT and I contacted the school district that he had graduated this with the speech program through. And I said, Hey, we have these sensory issues. I don't know if there's a type of like special ed preschool or something that any resources you can give us or help us would be really helpful because I feel like we're not cut out for mainstream preschool, but like, I don't really know. And their response there, the speech pathologist, the um, preschool coordinator through early on, they were all like, no, 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 this is not for Finn. Finn is fine. Finn, you have to be more than like three months delayed to get help with us. He's fine. He's just a boy. He's a really rough boy who's really hyperactive. 
And I had a friend who's a special ed teacher and she's like, you need an advocate. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. It's fine. Like, we'll just go to this Montessori. We'll figure it out. But I did feel really confused. Like, I didn't know if I was being dramatic or not. (laughs) So we had him at the Montessori. We, um, every day I'd pick him up. I think I told you in the email, I, I feel like I still to this day have PTSD. I'm nervous. He's going to get kicked out. <laughs> mm. I, I never know what kind of incident report slip I'm going to be walking up to. I feel like I have to apologize for things. I, I take it personal when he misbehaves and I feel so bad if he like hurts another kid. Um, and so every time I'd pick him up, I'd ask his teacher, like, how was he today? Is he okay? It, and they'd be like, he's fine, Erica. Like, <laughs> Or like, here's the incident report and it's okay. He's just a boy. So there was just like constant reassurement. And we were continuing OT at that time still. Um, And then he turned four. And at that next well visit, our same pediatrician, um, I don't know why I was asking about autism, I think because one of my good friends, her son, who was my son's age, had some eating issues and he was assessed for autism. And I just remember thinking, oh, I feel so bad for them. Like, that really sucks. But that's definitely not on our radar. Like, that's (laughs) not our story. (laughs) I was going to ask, as I'm listening to, to these things, like, did autism ever pop into your mind or no? I remember typing Google typing into Google autism. And I, it was like, so I was like, I never want to type this in again. I don't (laughs) want, this is not for us. So I, God, I sound so in denial talking about this. (laughs) No, no. You know, what's interesting is like you had said in, you know, when you had reached out to me that you hadn't heard a story that reminded you of your own. And obviously our kids are so different, but so much of what you're sharing reminds me of (laughs) of our story and, and hearing, Oh, he's just a boy. Yeah. He's going to, he's more physical. So he's going to, you know, talk later and no. Okay. I mean, like there was just, we didn't like, some things are obviously different, but there's, there's pieces I can, I relate to completely. I know. I know. Talking about it in order and really thinking about it all paints such a different picture than when you're in it. Yes. And we were, I was, Maybe I was asking the questions that I knew I would like the answers to. Mm, mm-hmm. The reassurance that it was going to be fine. Um, and that's that's- I was for a long time. Like I would, I would ask the questions, but if I would get, you know, I, I always would get at that. He was younger like that. It, it wasn't until after he had turned three that finally somebody had, had kind of brought it said the word autism to me but up until then his pediatrician even like his early intervention therapist everybody was like oh no he's so social he's so engaged he's so happy yes and maybe this is where our stories differ but I'm still getting that feedback to this day Mm. and it has made for an awful coping process because I don't I'm living in that weird phase of Still, a lot of people don't 
know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'll go back to the four-year appointment. Okay. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Detour. Um, I don't know why I brought up autism to our pediatrician, but she said, come on, no. And she's like, you could get him tested, but that's not going to change anything that we're going to do here. Just wait and see. Wait for him to go into kindergarten, see how he develops socially. It's fine. And I thought, okay, I like this laid back point of view. This is feels good to me. Um, and then I had our third kid, um, a little boy, Theo. And Theo was born in March and Finn's four-year well visit was in April. By July, it's like everything in our world totally changed. And I don't know if it's because I was so wrapped up in Theo's pregnancy and delivery and all of a sudden things were getting into a normal, but it's like I could see Finn for the first time and I knew something was different. Mm. And my best friend was out of town on vacation and if she would have been home, maybe I would have not gone so crazy, but I, I took Finn to the doctor and I couldn't get in with our normal pediatrician and it was this older cranky lady and I was telling her I'm like he's only walking on his toes right now he doesn't look me in the eyes he's doing these interesting posturing things with his hands like he's not talking to me all of these things and I don't know if he was taller and older and I could just see him as because when a two-year-old walks on their toes you're like oh that's a little two-year-old walking on their toes. But when it's a four-year-old and it just seemed kind of obvious at that time. Mm-hmm. And this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. But the nurse in me saw this as a decline. And I thought he must, he's declining neurologically. Like he must, this wasn't always there. And so I, I took him into the pediatrician to see and ask if she thought that he was having seizures Because at that time, I had also, my mom's best friend has a son with autism. And I met with her about my concerns. And I said, it's really all of a sudden getting a lot worse. And she goes, oh, well, with my son, it gets a lot worse after he has a seizure. Mm. So I kind of had that little seed in my head. So I just wanted to talk to the doctor about that. And this new doctor, this like older lady, Finn was a disaster at that appointment. He does not like his ears being checked. And um, she looked at him and she goes, you know, none of this is normal. He, I forgot how she worded it, but she's like, you need to get him tested for autism. You need to, you are, you should have gotten this started years ago. It's going to be two years before you get into any therapy because of all these wait lists. Oh, wow. And I felt so shocked and upset. I was like, what? How? I don't. Yeah, this is a very bad visit. I agree. But still, like, what do you mean? This is not such an obvious thing. Mm-hmm. And um, the crazy mom in me, because I know we're all kind of crazy when we want to protect our children. Uh, <laughs> this is very crazy. I thought I saw him have a seizure, which he did not. Now I can say that. But I took, I didn't really believe that this doctor had given me a good assessment. So I took him to the ER and I have a bunch of friends working in that ER and 
I took him in and I said, I want a neurologist to examine him. I'm worried he's having seizures. He's declining. Look at all these things he's doing that he didn't do a year ago. This is, I was just very upset. And so we saw um, a few neurologists right there. <laughs> they listened to the crazy Karen and me and it was actually really nice. And the neurologist said, I was ready to admit you guys because you were pretty convincing until I came and assessed him and talked to you. And he goes, it's obvious he has mild autism. And I was like, is it really? Because no one has said it's so obvious. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so um, that was heartbreaking and hard because I had to tell my family that and they didn't believe it. They still thought he was just a boy. Um, and it, and it, it was really, I don't know. It was, we just cried. It was really, really sad. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, I felt like not even a good nurse because how can I miss these signs in my child? Um, and then the, you know, the genetic factor, I have a one-year-old or no, not even, he was a few months old. Um, and then a two and a half or three-year-old and then a four and a half-year-old. And what if they're, they all have autism? Oh God, this, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, I totally, I completely understand. I completely, I know exactly. I mean, I'm not a nurse, so, but I know Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning that you wondered if you were, you know, just a bad mom. I had so many moments like that where I thought, where did I screw up? Where did I go wrong to do this? And I think there, I mean, I hope not everyone feels that way, but I think so many of us have those moments and it's important to hear it from other people because it really, especially for those moms who are dads listening, who, you know, are new in this journey and maybe are still having those feelings. You did absolutely nothing wrong. Your child is a hundred percent who they're supposed to be. And it, it has nothing to do with anything that you've done. I know, I know that's correct. But when I think about how poorly we coped during that year after the diagnosis, um, I remember telling my friend, so that same friend whose son got tested and it was negative, I remember being at her house and I just like collapsed and I was like, every cell in my body hurts. Like I am in so much pain for my child. Like I don't want this for my child, let alone I have to get all my other kids tested too because they all have sensory things. <laughs> oh, um, we got Finn tested with a um, developmental psychologist that fall. And it was so funny because I knew very, I knew nothing about autism. And I was so insulted that they um, made us wait two months for an appointment. And I told the lady, I go, I'm going to have to find a sooner one. I can't wait two months. No. <laughs> and then all the other ones were like nine months. Yes. I was going to say two months is like, that is speedy. <laughs> I know. And then I, I, I called her back and she's like, you're probably going to want to keep this one. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. I totally want to keep this one. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> I did the same thing. They told me eight months and I was like, okay, well I'll take that appointment, but I, I, I have to find somebody else. And then literally all I could find were longer wait times or people wouldn't even see kids as young as Logan. Like it was just total dead ends everywhere. So we did the same thing. Yeah, we, we waited eight months. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so, it was painful, but we had known from being in that ER visit that that's the diagnosis we were going to receive. Mm -hmm. And I was excited to get it. 
I thought this is the answer. We are going to fit in somewhere. I'm not, I'm going to learn so much. We're going to get the right therapies. I kind of thought once we got the diagnosis, someone would hand me a folder and it was the route you're going to take and it's just going to be fine. (laughs) Um, And we went full force into the diet changes, uh, ABA, speech, OT. And Finn is, um, I don't know. I mean, for so long, we were flattered out of receiving care by all the professionals because his positives outweigh the negatives a ton. Like in the words of his BCBA, he has a lot of skills. Um, So when we started doing the therapies, um, and according to his development as psychologist, he had a, his diagnosis was mild to moderate autism. Um, And when we started ABA, we looked at his life right now and he only qualified for six hours a week. And that even felt like a lot. Like we didn't have a ton of challenges at the time, like the behavioral issues at school and the pushing. And a lot of that was tamed by his sensory needs. So the OT was big for us. The speech was helpful. All this therapies and we went in gung-ho. And then after a few months, we kind of like graduated out, out of all of them. And I agreed, like it didn't seem to be what we needed at the moment. Um, and what year was that? And then I think COVID hit. <laughs> oh, wow. So it was recently. Um, yeah, we put him in preschool full time. So it was the Montessori school and I wanted him to try to get used to longer days because we knew kindergarten was the next year. And um, we wanted him to get used to like a lunch at a school and so we did that and then COVID hit and then we prepped for school and then he started kindergarten and he wasn't doing anything over that summer before kindergarten. He did a little bit of OT for fine motor, but when we started kindergarten, there really wasn't much that we were doing therapy wise and things were, things were actually going pretty good. And I thought, okay, I've listened to all these podcasts. I know what to do for an IEP meeting. I'm going to request an IEP meeting right away. (laughs) And um, they were like, calm it down, lady. It's COVID. (laughs) Half of this is virtual. We don't even know your kid yet or how he's going to (laughs) adjust. So they actually did, within a few months of starting school, um, do the IEP meeting and they had assessed him over the time of those few months and they, he was going four times a week, I think at that time. Yeah. And the psych school psychologist assessed him. He was in a mainstream class, the social worker, um, you know, all those people that do their assessments. Oh, the Mm -hmm. language pathologist. Yeah. And we sat down for the meeting. Um, and they told, me and my husband, they're like, he does not have autism. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I don't know if I agree with that, honestly. I think that, I I don't know if I agree with that. Um, But, oh, I guess I should probably say right before the 
So right before he went into kindergarten, we got him reassessed with his developmental psychologist. And Mm -hmm. she said he had done really well with ABA and with his therapy over the last year. And she moved him to mild autism with ADHD. So Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, that's great. And she said, he really has improved a lot over the last year. I'm really excited about, you know, this outlook for him. And so this IEP meeting came and I'm like, well, they said, we really think he is severe ADHD with sensory issues. And so I was really confused by that. So I called our psychologist and um, she was very frustrated. She's like, she's a younger psychologist and the school psychologist is older and has two sons with ADHD. Mm. And so in my opinion, I feel like our psychologist is more aware of the not so obvious cues of autism. Yeah. And during the IEP meeting, they just kept saying, okay, but Erica, in your profile, you wrote down that some of his strengths are social interest. Like he's really interested in other kids. That's not someone on the spectrum. And I said, yeah, but like what my psychologist told me is he, Finn's very socially motivated, but it's not always appropriate. Mm-hmm. We really need to help him. And they're like, well, we think it's, it's this. And um, so they denied him for the IEP. They said he's holding his own in the classroom. He's not behind at all. Um, and his teacher even had a private meeting with me afterwards. And she's like, you know, he's a lot more normal than he isn't. And he fits in pretty well. And that, I mean, that was so amazing to hear. That was so amazing to hear. Me and my husband cried. We were like, wow, we are doing so good. This is great. Um, and we rode that out for a little bit. We, our district went virtual. We had to be home for a few months. And then he went back in person. And once he went back in person, it's like the same whole thing happened all over again, where mm-hmm. PTSD came and all of a sudden we're confronted with these issues again. And his teacher, who I communicate with daily, um, messaged me and said, we've had five families reach out to us in the last week saying that Finn is doing something to their kids. Mm. It like hit me like a train. I was like, what? What do you mean? Like you said everything was fine. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, this is ridiculous. Let's start putting interventions in place. Does he need sensory breaks? Does he need that? Like why I have, why, I don't understand why he didn't get an IEP. And she's like, well, it's not really social issues that are his issue. I'm like, but this sounds like a social issue. We need to be helping him more. So we ended up starting meds this year. And that has been interesting, adjusting those doses. But I feel like we're finally at an okay space. And I guess where we are currently is um, we have, we have one foot in the autism world and one foot in the neurotypical world. Mm -hmm. Autism is an invisible disability sometimes. And I feel like for a lot of my family members and friends or people at the park, I'll mention like, oh yeah, Finn's on the spectrum. And they'll be like, no, no way. Look at him. He's playing creatively over there. Look at him. He's doing this and that. And I'm like, yeah, he actually does really well a lot of the time until he doesn't. (laughs) And then I have to apologize. And then I, um, 
and then it, and then it's just not. And so I, I don't know how to approach these next few years. And I would love to like meet with anyone that has <laughs> done this before. And because when Finn is interested in being signed up in sports and meeting with friends, and I mean, he just loves everyone to do it all. And I never know if I should be like, hey, by the way, we have these issues going on and then doubt his capabilities. But then I don't want anyone to be unprepared if something goes wrong. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, completely. Gosh, so much of what you're sharing. I mean, I I have had conversations similar to what you're sharing, um, not necessarily with guests of the podcast, but with listeners like, you know, over messages and whatnot. Um, and I've said this so many times to people before and like kind of how you said our, our stories were similar in the beginning and then ours kind of went one direction and it sounds like yours has, has been just really kind of struck in that gray area. Yeah. And I've or I, I, in so many ways, like I do think it's almost easier when you have a child who has more like obvious needs because there is, there's a little more of a clear route in like what we need to do and how we can support them. Whereas, you know, for kiddos like your son, I know there are so many, like you said, that kind of have like one foot in both worlds. It, mm-hmm. It's definitely a little bit trickier to navigate. I'm really surprised that the district denied him an IEP, especially because regardless of what their, you know, um, psychologist thought, everything that I've always known is that a medical diagnosis can't be disputed. If you have a diagnosis from a doctor, the district can't dispute that. So I kind of agree with your friend who said you needed an advocate <laughs> because I think regardless how well he's doing. And that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that, you know, he has those, you know, times where he's doing great. Uh huh. Any kids, I feel like all kids, there's like up and down. And I think especially when you have a kiddo on the spectrum, those swings are, are a lot greater. And because we, we see that with Logan, like we could go months with like very little, you know, difficult behaviors and he's cooperating and listening and doing great. Yeah resting and then like we're kind of coming out of it now but we were just in this really awful season of anxiety where he was having anxiety attacks daily so it's it really is like it's it's so up and down but what I always tell parents is that even if you don't feel like your child needs the IEP right now or whatever is in place in the IEP if it's not necessarily like serving them right now uh-huh still like protection for you and for them I think that that is like really important to remember because it, when, when they're having those, those good times, then yeah, maybe you can pull back on some of those supports, but when they're not having that in place, it, it really is, like I said, it's more, it's more than just like the support that you both need, but it's also that protection. Yeah. They did give us a 504. So because, okay. um, I think because of the medical diagnosis, we were able to get that. But if, okay. he, if he starts dropping academically and not keeping up that way is from my understanding when we would then get an IEP. But um, I feel like the school district doesn't really do anything until they have to. And that frustrates the heck out of me because I want to prevent and prevent and set him up for success. And that doesn't seem to be their approach to it. Um, and I don't want him to be labeled as the bad kid in class or the one that's, you know, bugging everyone or, um, and it's almost like we, we almost got to that point if we 
if I wasn't constantly messaging his teacher and the principal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like you are being really proactive and that you, you've been, (laughs) I mean, he is so young. So it, it, you know, you're, you're both still kind of like finding your footing with everything. And Uh I love how you were like, I want to talk to anyone. So if anyone listening maybe has been (laughs) in Erica's shoes and, you know, has a kiddo, like that sounds similar to Finn. Um, I was telling you, I talked to somebody recently who it, it really sounded similar to your story. Her son is a little bit older. So I think you're going to enjoy that episode when it comes out. But again, I think one of those things that we just have to remember always is that, and I, I really would like your your district to know this, is that, you know, every kiddo on the spectrum is just so different. And the only thing that really matters is that we are meeting that child where they're at. Totally. One of my, um, I've had a few people tell me this. They'll just say, Erica, stop worrying about the diagnosis and just start treating the symptoms. I mean, if Finn needs sensory issues with help with that, let's help that. And I'm just so caught up on this diagnosis because I, I don't know how to explain things to people like his teacher. I don't know how to explain my kid to her until she really gets to know him. And, um, when, Oh, can you hear me? It kind of closed out. No, I hear you. Okay. Um, when the school came back with their dis- like opinion of Finn, um, I felt like I couldn't use that word autism anymore because I felt like it would disrespect their judgment. Um, and so that's been awkward too because I was like so excited to belong to the autism community. I thought, oh, this is what we're going to be doing from now on. And now I'm like, well, we don't really fit in much of anywhere. (laughs) And I'd love to hear from anyone who's, you know, gone this journey of like a confusing diagnosis. And how do you approach uh, explaining that to your kid? And I guess I want Finn to maybe choose how he wants to label himself or I don't don't know. Um, I know. I think that's smart. I mean, I feel like, especially when you do have, have a kiddo where like you said, there is just a lot more gray area. Uh I mean, for any child who, you know, gets diagnosed as a child and then becomes an adult. Like I always say my goal for Logan is for him to be a self-advocate and I would want that for any kid. Yes. But it's like, that means something just as, you know, everyone on the spectrum is different. That title of self-advocate is going to mean something different for everyone. And, you know, again, Finn is so little. And I feel like they're, you guys, I always say, I'm like, we're, we're still at the beginning of our journey. You know what I mean? Like we still have years and years to go and it's going to change and shift as time goes on. Um, and I guess like that, that's honestly like my only advice for you and for anyone listening is, and kind of like how you said, like you get caught up in the labels, like it, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that, like I said, you're meeting your kid where they're at. And it's like, we're all just kind of like along for this ride and we're going to do whatever we can to help our kids and do like what's in their best interest. But uh-huh. I feel like in the beginning for me, I know I was really stuck up and like planning and getting in the therapies and doing everything we could like make progress and make gains. And I felt like we were like on this almost like hamster wheel of like just moving forward and then it really took me a few years to kind of sink into it and just be like, oh, this is, this is just our life. <laughs> like, this is how it's going to be. And like, right. I want to help Logan any way that I can, but it's also okay to just like, let him be Logan. 
and like just support him and and not feel like I have to like manage him so much. Do you know what I mean? I do. It's a huge downfall of mine is lately I've been noticing that um, when this sounds so bad, but like, so like Finn's in the mainstreamed class, but he has his happy little stims, you know, Mm -hmm. I know I'm not supposed to want him to stop doing that, but I want to help him fit in. And um, it's hard for me to witness him be so different sometimes when he's around his peers. Um, But then, but then sometimes he's totally fine. So that's been hard is to, just because I'm uncomfortable with the judgment that I perceive that he could be getting doesn't mean I should stop him from being his true self, which is such an amazing, beautiful kid. Um, And it's really growing and it's growth in me that needs to happen, not him. (laughs) I think so often that is kind of the moral is that it's like, we, like I said, we do, we want our kids to progress and grow, but it's like, we end up being the ones that grow in the process. Mm -hmm. And this is a conversation I've, I feel like I've had several times lately with people talking about kind of similar to what, what you're saying with like, you know, the stims or just the little quirks. And as much as I think inclusion and kids being mainstreamed is amazing. And for some kids, I think that that's totally appropriate and awesome. And uh-huh. that's great. I also think there's something to be said for, you know, kiddos on the spectrum being with their peers who also are stimmy and quirky and do things similar to how they do and this has come up many times in the show now but that's something for Logan like he is in a self-contained classroom and for him that really is the most appropriate place for him to Uh learn but I also take a lot of comfort in the fact that like he is with his peers who they get him they they understand him and they they all have their little quirks and there's not there's not a lot of explaining that needs to happen he does get pulled for inclusion you know with his typical peers and there is explaining that needs to happen. And I'm glad to do that because I think they need to be, I, I want, I want everyone to be exposed to autism so that uh-huh. some works don't seem as, you know, maybe like they could be something to be targeted for. But at the same time, I, yeah, like as, as Logan gets older, like I, as much as I, I used to think that the goal was to mainstream him and to get him to that point. And yeah. now I just see it differently. And I'm like, no, I think he's, he's in the right place. And until he's not, we're not going to change anything. And it's not really a goal of mine so much anymore to get him to be mainstreamed. It's more just to, to keep him in the appropriate spot. Yes. Yeah. I so wish we had someone local. So if anyone is listening to this in Southeastern Michigan, uh, please find me. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I would love for Finn to find someone similar to him that has these uh, little quirks and views the world that he does. Cause I think it would be so comforting um, I wish there, I wish there were support groups around here for kids and families on the spectrum. Like I just, that would be so helpful. It's been feeling a little isolating lately, especially during COVID, but listening to like your podcast and, um, hearing other people's stories that has been really helpful. That's made me feel not alone. I don't know how parents did this without podcasts back then. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And I, I think it's, it's so great to have like an in-person kind of tribe and village, but if you don't have it, thankfully there are, you know, podcasts and 
uh, so many great online communities. Um, for people listening, though, that want to connect with you, do you want to share where they can find you <laughs> and where they could connect with you? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram and my name is Erica Tenlin. Um, that's spelled E-R-I-C-A-T-E-N-L-E-N. And I'm nowhere else. <laughs> so I'm there. It just lives on Instagram. Well, I will put that in the show notes too. For anyone who wants to connect, I, I would love for you to make a make a, a friend connection from the podcast. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I would just encourage you though, keep looking for for things in your area because I, like sometimes I feel like, oh, there's there's not a lot of stuff here. And then it's like when I dig a little deeper, I find something. Um okay. So keep, keep digging. You, you may be able to find something. I mean, I don't know. I think it is so different in every area, like what's available. Um, so I don't know what it's like by you, but, but don't stop looking. And also if you can't find it, then maybe you could be the one to start it someday. <laughs> That's a good idea. Everyone with the quirky kids, just find me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that was sort of my whole thing with the podcast was I was looking for one and I couldn't find one. I'm like, all right, well, I better go ahead and just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very thankful you did. Aw. Well, Erica, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope that people listening do relate and can reach out to you and you guys can have that connection. Cause I, I, like I had said to you before, I know there are people listening who can probably relate and they just haven't heard a story like yours yet. So thank you again so much for sharing today. No problem. Thank you so much. All right. You take care. Bye. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like Something Borrowed or Something Blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Erica. Isn't she awesome? I, I really did just have such a great time chatting with her. And it was so kind of funny because after we recorded this, Erica was definitely nervous and she was like questioning and not sure if she, you know, said everything she wanted to say or said too much. And that, that happens a lot with guests. Um, but it was so funny because I actually sent Erica this audio a couple days ago for her to listen to. And I kept reassuring her. I'm like, I promise you when you listen 
listen to it, I think you're going to be really pleasantly surprised. And I was so glad to hear that she was, that she felt like she kind of said everything she needed to say and that she was happy, you know, with the outcome of our conversation because I, I was super happy with it. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. And again, if there's anyone, you know, in that area that wants to reach out and connect with Erica, definitely do that. Um, she is just amazing. And like I said on the show, I would love it if she made some, you know, in-person friends from this episode. That would be incredible. So like I was saying at the beginning of the show, I am still, you know, I've got some recorded episodes of interviews kind of in the bank that will be coming out, you know, over the rest of the, the course of the summer, which summer is really just flying by. We've only got like a month left before Logan starts school and the girls are going to start school too, which is crazy. I'm very excited. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I do have a couple topics that will be coming out in the next few weeks with the summer series and just with hot topics. Um, so I wanted to, to say on here, if anyone has any specific questions, let me know. The next hot topic is going to be all about ABA. I had posted in my stories the other day, a photo of Liliana and Logan. It was kind of a throwback photo from a couple years ago when we started incorporating Liliana into Logan's ABA sessions and just how awesome that was and how, how great it was for both of them. And I also had said that we're, you know, taking a pause from ABA right now. And I ended up getting a ton of messages from people just kind of asking about our experience and asking like what episodes of the podcast they can listen to, to, you know, hear about our experience. And I, I do have, you know, quite a few that we've talked about ABN, actually like very many. Um, but it, it definitely I had several people say that they, they were hoping that it would be the next hot topic. And that was one that I had been planning to do. So that's definitely going to be the next hot topic. So if you have any specific questions about ABA, let me know about, you know, our experience and just kind of what we went through. And a lot of people were just wondering like why we, we took the pause. Um, so just let me know. And then the, the next, um, kind of summer series episode I'm going to do is sort of an update in my health and weight loss journey. Again, I had posted a photo last week on Instagram, just kind of a sort of a transformation photo, but also just kind of talking about some of the things that I've kind of learned in this whole journey with, with weight loss and health and wellness. And again, there were a few people saying that they wanted an update. So if you have any specific questions or things you want to know about in, in regards to that, I, you know, I'm always an open book. <laughs> um, and it has been a while since I, I talked about all that. So just a couple things that are on the horizon. Let me know if you have any questions, what you want to hear about. Um, but like I said, I do have a few more interviews that I've recorded that will be coming out soon. And I'm super excited for those. Thank you so much to everyone for listening today. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. If you are a listener like Erica, who, you know, maybe would, would like to be a guest and just share your story, I would love to have you. Just, you know, reach out. Email is definitely the best for that. And, I really appreciate when people share a little bit of their backstory and what they would like to talk about if they were a guest on the show. That's super helpful. Um, if you are enjoying the show and you have not yet left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that is super helpful. It really helps other people to find the show. And 
I don't understand all the algorithms and <laughs> all that works, but I do know the more readings and reviews the show gets, the easier it is for people to find it who, you know, could listen, could benefit from listening to the show. So that is all for now. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. And until next time, take care.